Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of January 12th. I'm your host, Derek Kessinger, a.k.a. D-Swab, joined by the editorial staff of Todd Turner, Kevin Kovac, and Big Shot Bob, Robert Holman. Guys, in the words of Eminem, guess who's back? Back again, tell a friend. Brandon Shepard goes two for two at the Wild West shootout, including a barn burner on Sunday night. Kovac, you were there. Sheppy started 10th. Worked his way up past Garrett Alberson with only two to go and held off a late-charging Tyler Herb. That race was bananas. It's going to be hard to beat that one, A, for race of the year, and B, Shepard is hot. And I also have a note. He won his first race 77 days earlier in 2022 than he did in 2021. So Sheppy's off to a good start. Kovac, you were there. How was it? Oh, that was uh, that was an excellent, outstanding race. Uh I wrote one story about like how drivers kind of know you, you, you could tell that drivers know how good the race was that they were just in because they got a little extra, uh, you know, a little extra excitement in themselves. I mean, I go talk to Tyler Herb after he nearly won it. Um, he, he pulled that slate through that Hail Mary slider on the last lap on, on a uh, shepherd going into three and, but Shepard was able to cross him back over and take the lead back. Uh, but, but, uh, Tyler was, uh, you know, he's there. He's pumped up. Mike Marler came over to him and, and well, on his bike, on his uh, motorbike, and said, "Man, that was a good race, wasn't it?" And, and, and Tyler's like chatting with him about how fun, much fun it was. And, and the same with um, with Brandon Shepard over there. You go talk to him, and he's like, he hadn't had that much fun in a while. Uh, it, it's 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 neat to see the like the enjoyment of the drivers' eyes. Like, I mean, that that they show that they get pumped up about being in a in a real uh, barn burner of a race, a real classic. Uh, yeah, Tyler Herb was already saying, oh, that should be drive race of the year. Last year, I got gypped out of race of the year during the Wild West shootout because if you remember, he won a race uh, back in Arizona last January. That was a real good slider filled race. And and that was one of, you know, one of our nominations for the one of the top five of the driver of the, of the race of the year. And he said, so this remember this year, I mean, I'll probably I'll probably be be involved in the race of the year because I didn't win it this year, you know. So, I don't know. we got a lot of races to go, but I'll tell you what, we put that on the list already because uh, that was a that was a real good one. I mean, uh, you know, Robert had gotten to the track too and and, and seen it because uh, he's covering the rest of the Wild West shootout. And you know, I mean, I, I think he would agree that was a there was a lot of stuff happening. A track was like one of those tracks where there was a top side that was real unruly kind of the guys uh, could could mess up up there. But then you could throw sliders, and I mean, it, that was just just good. I wish it was a little warmer, a little windy and, and cold, but uh, it, it was really good racing. Yeah, like you said, Tyler finished runner-up in the 2021 race of the year. I think the Wild West shootout last year, Friday's edition, got second. So he was kind of mad about that. And B, he had a funny quote in Victory Lane when he said, maybe Kearns and Rigsby can give me a little bit more money for putting a show on for the fans because that, that was a hell of a race, and it was a – Quite a witty comment by Tyler. Are you making your first ever trip to the Wild West shootout? You got there just in time for that feature. What did you see from your vantage point? It was seemed like a race where the yellows were awesome because the restarts were phenomenal, but those long green flag laps were good as well because they got to lap traffic and they were throwing sliders and haymakers. I, I couldn't keep up with the yellows. There weren't very many, but I lost I lost count of how many cautions there were as I, I was trying to get icicles like off my brow. <laughs> Cause it was cold, uh, and it was windy. It was, uh, it was just, it was not what I expected, you know, when we came out here. But it was, it was definitely worth the wait, because it was a dandy. It was. Um, I'm sitting there thinking, 
basically when the race starts, and I'm not wanting to count out Sheppy by any means, whether he starts first or 21st, but with the guys that were in front of him out here, you start in 10th. So I'm already thinking to myself, well, there's no way he's going to get that, stay alive for that 3,000, you know, to win bonus. It's just not going to happen because he's got a lot of good cars he's got to pass. And then Garrett Alberson gets out and, and gets out to a good lead. But Sheppy's just Sheppy. You know, he was just really kind of quiet, really. It's like when you count him out, he finishes third. When you, you know, dismiss him, he's always in the top five. Well, he worked his way up there, and, and all of a sudden he's there. And I, and I, uh, you know, my daughter is with me. Uh, she just graduated college, and so she's kind of uh, freeloading on this trip, so to speak. So she's out here with me hanging out, and she really, she has a, a several friends who uh, are in, involved in racing and whatnot. So she keeps up with it, you know, and, and she's like, you know, how much is that bonus? And she was talking to me about it. And so, so finally she's like, oh, my God, he has a chance to win. He has a chance to win. And I'm like, yes, he does. You know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, Garrett kind of messed up. He kind of bobbled up there in turns three and four that one time. And all of a sudden when Sheppy closed in on him, you're like, OK, he, he's 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 got a real good chance to win. So as cold as it was, as windy as it was, it was well worth the wait. The, the facility is remarkable. Uh, I'm here uh, staying uh, in our uh, travel trailer with my brother and, and a couple of his boys. And, and it's just uh, you, you kind of were concerned about the move to this track originally. And there's no need to be concerned. This was proved that race proved that this track can, can put on these shows and, and have racy events and and uh and give fans their money's worth if, if they didn't like that race sunday night then they they clearly don't know, don't like racing no doubt about that that was a whale of a finish garrett alverson heartbreak city but brandon shepherd if you're chris kearns you see him win the first night and like you mentioned he's starting 10th you're like okay maybe he can only win four maybe he can only win three because he's off to the hot start I texted Rigsby, I said, that's one of the races. If he gets that bonus, you're thinking, man, he started 10th. There's no way he should win that. But Sheppy, I think he's kind of on a redemption tour, Todd Turner. I think uh, last year a lot of people said, you know what, him and the Rocket 1 team and the B5 team, they're not as good as they've been the previous two years, but he's coming off swinging to the fence right now. Yeah, it seemed like uh, all last season everyone talked about, well, Brandon Shepard's just about to get on track. He's just about to turn it around. And he – and believe me, this whole season, you know, who who's not going to take it? It's a solid season, but it was not classic Brandon Shepard. So here he is out of the gate, went two, two in a row. And, uh, yeah, it makes you it, – it sets up the potential for, for a great season. Uh, it's not just a great week here. Uh, you know, um, Kearns and the promoters certainly are excited to have somebody – have that bonus out there of possibility where somebody can win it. So to see Brandon win the first two, and then you have a couple of days off to, to kind of build that excitement uh, as Brandon tries uh, tries to see what he can do about getting that $300,000, which would be unbelievable. Kevin? If you look back to last year, uh, actually, I, I, Brandon Shepard only won back-to-back races once, and I believe it was with it was with the B5's family car back in Summer Nationals in, in July. Um, and that, that's unusual. And an outlaw tour, he never did it the whole year. You know, he, he never won his second race until uh, May, you know, last year. That was uh, uh, so he is way ahead of schedule of, on his uh, his win rate, I guess you could say, of last year. And, 
and he had mentioned too, you know, I was talking to him, uh, you know, after the first race and, you know, and the second race, he says, when we do well, when I do well in, in the wild west shootout in arizona in the past obviously uh we have really good seasons and he kind of does you know, i mean every other year that he's he's he does well all the time when he goes to the uh, wild west shootout last year he didn't maybe he didn't need it as spring training or something maybe that's like his maybe it is his spring training he needs to get his uh arm loosened up a little bit out there at the wild west shootout uh but he also said that uh it's it's not his his family team they they really do work closely you know i mean that car is a lot like the rocket chassis house car now a lot of the same stuff other than the motor you know he has a pro power ford in in his family car uh, as opposed to the um the durham ford when he runs the rocket chassis house car uh so i mean that's a little bit of a difference i guess you could say but uh most of the other stuff they they kind of keep everything on on the same sort he talks to mark richards i mean before the races and and all when he's out there in in uh, new mexico this week so and he said that Mark is back there at the shop and Steve Baker and, and all the rocket guys are back at the shop in West Virginia. And they're working hard every day to, to get back on top. I mean, I, I texted Mark Richard just to say, Hey man, it looked like Brandon's out to a good, uh, good start. And you could see Mark was pretty happy about that. He goes, yeah, we're working hard here. We're, we want to get back. I mean, I think we, everybody, we all talked about that last year, like a rocket wasn't the dominant force uh, even though, Brandon did win the championship with the outlaws. You know that there, that was going to light a fire under them. And, and, I, and I think you might be seeing that already where Brandon comes out guns blazing here uh, with two wins already. We'll get to Shepard more in a second here, but Robert talk about the heartbreak hotel for Garrett Alberson gets the lead leading laps, basically his home track. He's from the Las Cruces area. You could tell he was deflated in victory lane, man. It was just gut wrenching for him. He felt like, he let one get away. It just seemed like he was getting tighter and tighter, tighter on that cushion. And all in all, Shepard got by him. But, man, you got to feel for that kid right there. These races are so – I mean, I know people like Brandon Shepard and uh, Jonathan Davenport uh, last year, obviously, uh, Brandon Overton, they make this deal look easy. They make it look so simple to go out and win these races. It's not. It, it's These opportunities just don't come along every day. So I know that when Albertson got Albertson got out there and was leading this race, I can't imagine what he was thinking. I can't imagine if he's if he's really happy and, and calm and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm at my relatively my basically my home track and I've got my home fans in front of me and this is going to be great. Or if he's thinking, man, I got to hold on here. I got Shepard behind me and he's looking up at the at the scoreboard thinking, oh, these guys, I, I got to hold them off. I don't I don't know what's going through his head. But I do know that as difficult as it is to win these races at any level, from crate racing on up to, to where we're at right now, it had to be heartbreaking for him. And, and I just I feel for the, the kid because a win, he's had big wins, but a win at this track this weekend or this week with this crowd here would have been monumental for him to start the season that way, to get that, that kind of win under your belt, uh, especially at his home track. That's what, you know, people try to, to win things throughout their career, and you're like, okay, the World 100 is the biggest race, and the, the dream pays the most. Uh, so you look at all these races, and these are the ones that they really want to win, but then deep down, it's like, 
but I really want to win that race there because that's at my home track or it doesn't pay much, but I really want to, I saw Corey Hedgecock, you know, just from post finally got an ice bowl win. Well, he was in his crate car. This is a guy who's won world outlaw races and, and, uh, Lucas oil races, but he was like so excited because he finally got a crate race win at the ice bowl. So you don't know what really drives people or what, uh, really, uh, pushes them and what they really want to do. We were never able, my brother and I, never able to win a race at Winchester Speedway before it closed. That's heartbreaking to me because that's our home track, and we know how special, and our, and our dad won a ton of races there. So that's that's heartbreaking to us, knowing that we'll never have a, have that opportunity. So you don't know when you'll get this chance again. Hopefully, you know, he'll be, you know, he was on the podium both nights. He has ran well. He's showed a ton of speed. So hopefully it won't be that long for him. And he'll be able to come back out this this week and kind of redeem himself and knock that off his list and get that win and move on. Because once you do get a win like that, it just is kind of you can kind of exhale and say, "Ooh, I have it. Now let's move on to other things. So definitely. And when I saw him bobble up there in three and four. I knew he was in trouble. I mean, I, I was like, if he could have ran that particular lap, he might still not have won it. But if he could have won that, uh, ran that particular lap smooth and not let those guys close up on him so fast, who knows what the outcome could have been. But he had that one mistake, uh, whether his car got tied or whether he just jumped over the, the berm, just a cushion, just a smidge, that really allowed those guys to, to gang up on him, get right there and after that. And who's to say how tight he didn't get as a driver after making that mistake? Because you make a mistake like that as a driver, then you're, then all of a sudden, you know, your your stomach goes into your throat, and you're like, oh, no, and, and things could change drastically. So uh, hopefully this week he'll have a chance to redeem himself. You know, that would be a great storyline right there. Yeah, luckily for GA, he still, he still has four attempts to get that big W at his home track. But, Todd, I got to ask you, I know it's only been two races, and we still got four more, but can Brandon Shepard win all six, five, or four? But if he wins all six – he would have $350,000 before Speed Weeks. That's just unreal to hear. You know, I think, you know, these these bonuses are announced, you know, halfway through the seasons or whatever. So you, you don't really think about them then. But now you get down to, oh, wait, this guy already has two wins. He can have four more. Could he do this? Uh, like I said, the promoters got to love this because it builds the builds the anticipation. I, I think we all agree, and we talked about this uh uh, and fast talk is uh, the competition. It's hard to imagine Bobby Pierce or Marler or Herb or some of these other guys not getting a win, and which would that's what it would mean if Shepard could win six. However, Shepard, you know, um, so you win four, you win twenty five thousand, five, a hundred thousand. One of those bonuses seems seems really w- within his grasp. Now the six is is another story. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but it. Uh, it, it makes it fun when the guy wins the first two and then we get a couple of days to sit and kind of stew about it and think about, well, you know, what can these guys do to, to, to knock Shepard off that? Uh, and, and like I said before, a lot of times, and you mentioned this, you know, he won from 10th in the second one, you know, it's not like he's had two flag to flaggers, no doubters. He's already kind of got the tough one out of the way in a way. So we'll see, uh, we'll see if he can uh, keep, keep it up and, uh, uh, make a run at it. It could be an exciting weekend uh, if he's uh, in contention. Robert, what do you think? You know, I don't, I don't want to knock these guys that are running 10th through 24th because these are these are good race cars also. But this is not a um, an East Bay field where coming from the rear, 
which we've seen guys come through here at East Bay too. But, you know, coming from the rear, you got to pass guys that are running 20th that are capable of winning, like you kind of see at East Bay sometimes. You know, this is a field that is really kind of has excellent drivers, but is really kind of top heavy. So if you if you can make sure that you're getting clean air and you're and when you do catch traffic, that's the biggest thing I guess to me is is when you're racing through there, the traffic is not as difficult against maybe a field like this as some other races I've seen. So I, I think that when he's if he starts sixth or if he starts tenth and he can run up through there he's less likely to get into a bunch of trouble. Or if he's leading the race when he's running through the last 10 cars, you know, on the lead lap, he's less likely to get into trouble or have trouble, I should say, passing those cars. So you think, okay, I wish this would go, uh, he's starting fifth, let's see it go caution free and see these guys race through traffic. The traffic to me is not as perilous here, I don't think, as as some other tracks where there's a starting field of 24 guys who the 24th place guy could actually win the race if things were flipped. So that's one thing that uh, I think makes it a just a little bit easier for the guys out front is a lot of times, you know, sometimes the traffic is, as they say, like a, a dish rag or a windshield wiper, you know, and it's, it is kind of perilous in that respect. But But as far as the speed that some of these guys are carrying, it's just not what it is at an East Bay or Eldora or something like that. So I think it is a little easier for these these first six, eight guys to run through this traffic as they work their way up through there. I'll probably get crucified for saying that for some of these guys when I walk through the pit area this week. What are you talking about? I'm easy to get lapped. That's probably what they'll say, but I have to walk through with my – I'm like, are you sure Kevin didn't say that? Because I don't think I said that. <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, there are only 40 lap shootouts. They kind of remind me of summer nationals races. So if you know if you get start up front, maybe towards the latter half, those lap cars are not as strong as those front top heavy cars. One final thing, Kovac from Wild West Shoot, you got any uh, some notes? You were there this past week in cover, and I saw that Kay Dillard. He's done for the week because of COVID. He tested positive. So, but uh, anything else, kind of a uh, catch your mind a little bit when you're walking the pit area. I know we had a good run for Jake Tim. I mean, we mentioned him, I think, last week, you know, uh, getting a new Longhorn car coming out there and and maybe he could be a dark horse. And he had a he had a top five. Yeah. Uh, on, on Sunday's race. So that was that was a nice start for him. And, you know, like a good confidence builder, uh, kind of a bad start for uh, poor Stormy Scott, you know, uh, the Las Cruces guy. I mean, he's. This is a place where uh, you know his his grandparents. They they've sponsored the the big video board that's up there now, and uh, you know, so it's like a little homecoming for him. Even though he hasn't really raced at Vado much because it's a fairly new track and he's been on the road so much. So, uh, but you know, he he comes in there really excited about running, and uh, and then yesterday's uh, well, sorry, excuse me, Sunday's race, he uh, nearly flipped. <laughs> I mean, he you know, he got in the, in the heat race and. And uh, kind of bicycled, and now at the end of his night, you know, he was he was done for the night after that, and because he had some damage on, you know, and then he decided just to to call it a night. So they were going back to their shop after for the for the two off days, and and you know, work on their the kind of their home shop, which they don't get to very often either because there's so much on the road. Uh, they're going to work on the car and get it back together. And I mean, he was already after the after the first night of racing, he had 
uh, gotten into, you know, somebody and was thought, oh, that guy's going to be mad at me. He goes, and after the race on Sunday, he's like, I think everybody's mad at me now. You know, like uh, I have no friends here. Lefty was acting like, but I, I think, I think you're, you're all right. You'll, you'll get there. And Stormy would be one that just like we talked about, uh, Garrett Albertson wanting to win real bad there. Stormy Scott uh, and, and his brother Johnny, obviously, uh, would really like to get a win on some uh, close home turf. But uh, they have a little uphill. At least Stormy has a little uphill battle. And another guy who always is uh, is a guy that, you, you know, you, he's run good. And he hasn't run late models very much in the last couple of years. But he's always usually a, a, a good guy out at the Wild West shootout is Rodney Sanders. You know, he's pulling double duty with the modified two and, um, he hurt the motor in uh, in qualifying on Sunday night. So, but he said he did have another motor to change to, and and he'll um, he'll be back for the rest of the week. But yeah, he's he hasn't made much noise either. And that's a guy who's uh, who you could see up front quite a bit in the Wild West Shootout. Yeah, we still got four nights of racing there. Uh, race tonight on Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday's the finale for twenty five grand. All eyes will be on Shepard, I'm sure. If you can keep the ball rolling, obviously we have some heavy hitters like Turbo. Mike Marler, they'll try to make some noise. Bobby Pierce, he's won a lot of races at the Wild West Shootout. But it brings me to my next point, thinking about Brandon Shepard in the B5 car. Over the last three seasons, counting this year, I think he has nearly 20 to 23 wins in that family-owned car. I know that one year in 2020, he had 14. Last year, I think he had seven or eight. And this year, he already has two. He's in the Rocket One car. You mentioned earlier, Kovac, that both cars are kind of similar, but the motor program is a little different. When you race for two different cars, we've seen in the past with the Maureen car with, you know, Don O'Neill, he's raced that. Earl Pearson Jr., he's raced both different cars, stuff like that. Is there an advantage, Todd Turner, to go into another person's ride, you don't race it all season long, and then you have success? Or is it kind of hard, maybe you have a little bit more pressure because you're driving for somebody else? It's a benefit for a driver to have two two excellent rides to pick from. I mean, I'm sure lots of other guys are like, man, I can't even get one good ride. And this guy has two great cars. Uh, there is uh, usually the, if, in these situations, the driver, like for instance, Shepard with the Rocket One car is, you know, kind of focused on the world of outlaws. So this gives him a chance with the B5 to kind of, you know, do what he wants, go to other races that he likes to go to. So in, in that way, maybe there's a little less pressure on those races. Uh, which also is kind of attractive. Um, you got two two crews, you know, taking care of everything for you. And I'm not saying Brandon doesn't do anything. I'm sure he dives in probably more on his own car than than the Rocket car. But but to but to be able to go and and the opportunity to race, you know, X number of times more a year in a second car. I mean, it's really uh, uh, quite a benefit for all those guys who enjoyed that in the mooring car, or we saw years ago with the. Uh, uh, Jonathan Davenport and Randy Weaver's car, things like that. Guys get a chance to put another track and run another competitive car, um, kind of a kind of moonlighting uh, on their normal day job. Yeah, and Kovac, I was just thinking, putting a list together, different drivers who have done that in the past. I know Don O'Neill always comes to mind. It seems like he's always has, when he was racing two different rides, like the Mooring car, and then he was also racing for uh, – Boyer Racing, and then recently Chad Simpson, he has his own green 25 car, but then you see him at uh, I-80, you know, in the Maureen car, number one car. So is there any other drivers that come to mind, or is it does it happen a lot in the history of dirt late model racing? I kind of looking at it, maybe sometimes it doesn't happen as often as we see, as it seems. 
Yeah, it probably it doesn't. It's it's a rare thing to be able to. There's drivers I think that they'll jump in another car for here and there, but it's not like they have a regular second ride that fills in their schedule. Uh, and it's I mean it, that that mooring ride, that mooring car has really been the one that uh, over the years. Uh, you, you know, Donald Neely, all Pearson Jr., now Chad Simpson, Steve Francis won some big races with it. Uh, it's it seems like any time that car is in a field uh, in those. 15 to 20 races, maybe that they run uh, a year that that thing is really good. You know, that thing is it's 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 a big contender every time. Uh, so it's uh, y- you like to uh, you like to think that it happens more often than it does. But uh, w- one of the ones that I always was it was a really successful uh, a driver that had two rides for that one stretch, probably more like geez, at least a 10 years ago now is Josh Richards. Uh, you know, when he was running the, his obviously the rocket chassis house car, he filled in at all the non-outlaw dates and most of the non-outlaw dates with that Ernie Davis number 25 car. Um, and I mean, they worked closely, obviously, with rocket chassis at that point, too. But they had their own crew chief. And uh, he knew Josh knew that that car would be well prepared when he got to the racetrack. And, and he won quite a few races. I mean, he was they didn't, they didn't uh, like, like in those races, 24 hours. Oh, like yeah, that was the, the East Bay, football. East Bay Winter Nationals, yeah. you know. I mean, that famous, uh, you know, win explosion there with we swept the doubleheader and then won the next day, too. And so that was, uh, I mean, it shows how good he did with that. I mean, it kept, uh, it gave him more fresh equipment. I think that's like the big thing uh, when you have uh, another another team to go fill in your schedule. And it's a really, really good team also that, that could probably run a full schedule. They, they have enough equipment and enough help. Uh, and they're only running uh, a, a few races. I mean, that gives you an advantage because uh, as, as a driver, you know, you go in there and, and some of these other you're, you're running against guys that are probably tired out from running all the races, uh, many more races. And you got fresh equipment and it, and it makes a big difference. Uh, uh, I mean, a, a driver who, who, who did that last year had was Rick Eckert with uh, Alan Murray, the Texan. Um, fielded a car for for Rick to drive in like the Eldora races and some other big events. I mean, Eckert won a an outlaw race with the Murray car in, in Indiana in Plymouth, Indiana last year. Uh, and and with Rick just fueling his own car at home, which he never really le- you know it's Pennsylvania, Maryland. That's about all he's really going to. He, I mean, maybe a New York race with the Outlaws or something. He's not straying very far from home anymore. Um, so to have this car team to be able to go run big races it's a it really lets him you know get, get out there more and, and and go after some of the bigger money which unfortunately i just learned this weekend that alan murray uh has uh, sold out his late model stuff he sold all his late model stuff to mason ziegler from pennsylvania and and he's not going to be feeling a car it appears uh a late model car for for eckert now so eckert will be down to just running his own deal and i guess he'll he'll, he'll realize like how nice it is to have uh to another, you know, back another second option to go run bigger races uh, uh, in 2022. He'll, he'll he'll realize that that was a nice little uh, perk he had. Yeah, and with Alan Murray, it just seemed like it was a good fit for Rick Ecker to come in. I know they're not doing it this year, as you mentioned, but for a guy like Murray, who's only racing a handful of times, you bring in a veteran. He's not going to destroy your stuff. He's a good, smooth driver, and maybe he can give you some tips and pointers. So when you go out there, you can run a lot better. Robert, you're a car owner. Say you're Mark Richards, but you're in the shoes of Mark Richards. Shepard wins like 15 races in his B5 car. He comes in the Rocket 1 and only wins like 6 or 7. Are you going to be butthurt about that, or how's that feeling as a car owner like that? It's got to be kind of a, you know, got to hold it a level a little bit. 
well, the first thing I'm going to do is ask him what he's doing to see if there's anything <laughs> he's doing differently, you know, that maybe we're doing on the house car. Uh, because everybody has their own likes and dislikes, and if uh, and if if Brandon has has slipped upon something and and found something that he really really likes, a I kind of think he's actually w- would probably share that with the house car anyway, because he's gonna he's gonna want to run well in that car just as well as he runs in his family car. And and let's keep this in mind: that family car that he's driving, if you were to run that car all through every race of the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. I think he's going to win the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. I think he'd do that. And I'm not out here saying that that's going to happen anytime soon. But I think that that keep in mind that that car is capable of of winning the Dirt Car Summer Nationals. So so it's not a bad race car. But yeah, if I'm Mark Richards and I see a guy, you know, running well and then he gets back in my stuff, which is pretty much the same stuff, and he doesn't quite have the same success. I'm going to say, hey, man, what are you doing something differently as you know, than, than we're doing here? Because we all pretty much are working towards the same goal. Uh, you know, just like a couple, you know, Turbo, for instance, it's not a full time ride, but, you know, occasionally he'll drive Stephen Roberts's car. Well, if he runs well in his car and then he runs well in Stephen Roberts's car, but then Stephen Roberts gets back in his car and doesn't, Stephen Roberts is going to call him up and say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm just, you're just a better driver than me, or are you doing something different? You know, what's going on? So I think, you know, when you're racing for two different teams like that, the notebook should be open because everybody's trying to win. I don't think that you come to a team with a closed notebook. You have to come into a, a, a team, you know, and sometimes – that race that that deal is only going to race ten last. I'm sorry, ten or fifteen times, and maybe you wish you hadn't come into the into it with an open notebook. But but I think if you don't, you're really hurting yourself. You gotta you gotta open it up, let everybody look at it, and say this is what I did at this racetrack, and this is how I won. And when we go back there, we're we're you know we're going to do the same thing and, and try to win in this car, if it's the same chassis, of course. But yeah, I don't think that. You know, I think that uh, the media, like us, fools like us, and the bigger fools on social media would make a, more out of, of, of Sheppy getting back into the house car rocket there and not winning. I think they would probably make more of it out of it than Mark would, actually. Uh, I think Mark would probably be, you know, a little more difficult to interview, sure. But I probably, I, I don't think he's going to, you know, I don't think it's a skies falling into the world type thing if Brandon comes out here and sweeps this deal and then goes to speed weeks and doesn't win a race. I don't think that's, I don't I mean, because I, I just don't think that's the type of deal that would that we'd see. Yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic there when you're racing for two different race teams, including maybe like Shepard and his family stuff, and then going obviously to one of the most famous teams ever in the Rocket One team. Todd, you had one more comment about the two driver cars? Yeah, it it, it kind of takes me back to to when I was a young fan. One, one of the most exciting things is to have a car roll on the track and you're like, oh, wait, who's driving that car? Oh, that's somebody different or it's not who we expected. Um, you know, that that was always fun. And and so these type of things where a guy might be in two different cars or, or you know, and when he shows up, it's just it's just one of those things, you know, 
I remember I used to, you know, keep notes and write down everybody who was there. And so it was exciting. One I remember from that day back, uh, back in the earlier days is that, that rat one car, which I don't know if you guys ever, any of you guys ever saw it, but it was the kind of the Hodge brothers car, uh, up there in the Midwest and different guys would be in it all the time. Now, Bob Pierce drove it, I guess the longest time, kind of, it was his ride for a while, but occasionally John Gill would show up in it. Don O'Neill would show up in it. John Lawhorn would be in it. Jack Hewitt would be in it. And so whenever the rat one rolled in, you're like, Oh, the rat one's here. I wonder who's driving it. And you'd wait for James Essex at Brownstown to tell us who's behind the wheel of the rat one. So it's kind of neat when you have those kind of, uh, uh, higher gun cars out there like Maureen and those uh, uh, to see, you know, hey, who, who's going to be in that car and to see how they perform compared to their other cars and that kind of thing. I always love that part of it. Yeah, and I still get fired up on the Summer Nationals. Like when Rick Eckert, he would help Alan Murray one week, but then the next week he's racing. So you're always like, man, a Hall of Famer is racing the Summer Nationals. Or like when Sheppy isn't racing the Outlaws, I always ask him, is the B5 going to be at this flow racing night race? They'll be like, oh, hell yeah, we're going to have that thing there. So it still gets me fired up. I know I'm a lot older than I was back in my heyday when you'd always see cars show up and you didn't know who was going to drive it. So it's so it still gets me uh, all jacked up. But uh, just those two things with Shepard this year and the B5 and the Rocket 1, especially the last three years, how dominant he's been in both cars. It's pretty amazing to see, and hopefully we see other drivers get the opportunity as what Shepard's been doing in can make some make some money and get some more wins. Well, I think it's time for one more thing. Kovac, what do you got for us, buddy? I want to mention uh, the the very interesting Pro Power Dash that there was held on Sunday at the uh, Wild West Shootout. You know, the Pro Power Dash is for the drivers who don't qualify. Uh, you know, it's a little extra. It's either a thousand dollars to win, or uh, uh, or you take a spot in the feature. And everybody else gets paid too. I think it's a two thousand dollar purse to kind of get some money to the guys that were, didn't make the feature. Well, uh, this time, I mean, there's not as many cars aren't making the feature when there's 34 as there was when there were 50 to 60 last year. But still, they're having the the race. And uh, and after the two B mains, uh, after the first one, the guys who want to run in the in the Pro Power Dash that would come right after the second one have to stay in the infield. They can't go work in their cars, get an advantage. So uh, they have to wait in the infield. Those cars, and then the other guys uh, will just after the second B main, they'll just go right into it. Well, ended up being, I was like, well, where's the cars for this race? You know, everybody seemed like they were going into the pits. Next thing you know, there's one car left to run. I mean, there, there should have been almost 10 eligible. I mean, some guys said like, you know, Roddy Sanders and Stormy Scott didn't even come out for B mains because they had had problems earlier, but there there's one car, Clayton Holland from Texas. He's the only one left. So there there's no race to run. I mean, it was supposed to be the man, the amount of cars in the race were the, how many laps it would be. So, I mean, I guess they could have run one lap for, for Clayton Holland, but they didn't and just set Clayton Holland right to victory lane. And I, I don't even think he knew what to say when they interviewed him and stuff. So Trent and Barry was down there interviewing him after winning this, uh, winning, I guess you could say in, uh, in some quotes there, winning a, a pro power dash that there wasn't even a dash. It didn't even race. So that was, a interesting guy to get the victory lane and not even turn a lap. Uh, and then he actually took the, uh, the option of going into the feature uh, to and gave up the thousand dollars and it was $500 to start the race. Well, before the race even started, he was swept up in a tangle on the backstretch before the race even took the green flag and damaged his nose piece. So, 
Oh, rough. It was a rough, it was a rough one, you know, for Clayton. Maybe he would have, he probably would have been better off just taking, he lost $500 and he had a bent nose piece because he started the feature, but just thought that was a, you don't see that very often. What happened there? Yeah. Two thing is two things. Always take the money and just sit and watch. If you're going to be starting the back like that, especially if you're looking at the start money and there's that much of a difference. So, I don't know. I probably would have stayed back. It kind of reminded me of uh, the days at East Bay when I first started going for Dern on Dern when the car counts were a little lower. I think one of the Strawberry Dashes only had four or five cars, and you're thinking, man, are they going to run this thing? Only four or five cars luckily showed up. So, it kind of brought that into my memory, Banco, back when you mentioned that. That was uh, quite the story there. Robert, what do you got, buddy? Well, first I have to say that uh, after after he got caught up in that uh, kind of scramble or whatever on the back stretch there, uh, and didn't start the feature. You know, I've been to some places where if we didn't take the first lap and the first feature, we didn't even get paid. And so, you know, my daughter looked at me and says, is he going to get, is he even going to get the $500 to start the race? And so, so I hope that he at least still got that money. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, I was just, uh, it was a note to me that uh, Austin Kirkpatrick is out here racing from Florida. I'm like, where's that 10 car? You know, that 10 car is really good around those uh, southeastern tracks that his, you know, the track car that he builds himself and is designed. So I'm trying to find it. But come to find out he's driving the 29 of uh, Mercedes Amber Crombie. Uh, I think that's how you say your name. And so uh, so it took me a minute to find him. But he's kind of a, one of those surprise guys that's out here and uh, wasn't extremely fast the first two nights but but hopefully he'll he'll pick up some speed and and have some luck in, in that car because anytime we're back home in, in the southeast you see him show up at a racetrack you know it's going to be a good show and it's going to be uh and he's going to be usually up front battling so um so, and i from what i understand he kind of got that ride just through uh some conversation uh with her uh, Mercedes husband or whatever through Facebook or something like that. I might be completely wrong, but that's, that's what I understand. And so, so he wound up getting out here. And, and so I, I wondered if I had, should have brought a thousand, like stack of hundreds and perhaps my brother should have brought his helmet and maybe we could have like gotten this show somehow or gotten a car and maybe checked this off as a track and as another state that he had raced in. So uh, probably missed the, Missed the whole opportunity there, and and uh, maybe Turbo would have let us have one of these backup cars or something. But anyway, he's out here racing. Austin Kirkpatrick, great racer from a uh, young guy from from back uh, in the southeastern part, and uh, hopefully he'll have some luck this week in that car. Yeah, and who knows? I think Kovac just pinged us. It looks like he's not going to be running the rest of the. So Austin Kirkpatrick just racing for the weekend. It'll be interesting to see what the car counts are like here on Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe some other guys locally or regionally will come down for the weekend shows i'll go next we'll let the hall of famer future hall of famer go last and finish out the show my one more thing is me and fager did this thing called stay home live edition where we did a facebook live kind of get our reactions well we decided to facetime some drivers and we facetime superman jonathan davenport and we're asking him what his plans are going to be for speed weeks because i looked at his schedule he only has golden isles on his on his tentative schedule right now. And I'm thinking to myself, JD, you mean to tell me if you win two to three races, you're not going to go to the next week. You're just going to go home or maybe he's just fast all week. He seems to think that he's not going to go to those races. He said, I never, like, you'll never know, but they think that, you know, racing those week shows only five grand to win. There's way too much money out there. They don't want to damage those damage their race car. So it's going to be interesting to see 
how the rest of the year is going to unfold. Maybe these guys won't run these regional races because coming up in a week or two are these big pain races. And if you see a top tier team like Jonathan Davenport, who has, you know, a lot of funds, unlimited research, all this stuff, if they're skipping out on national races at like East Bay, what are other drivers going to do? So that'll be an interesting thing for me. And I just thought that was funny because JD missing East Bay and the rest of Speed Weeks and Alltech, I just don't see it happening. But he's hell bent saying he's not going to do it. So we'll have to wait and see. Todd? So I noticed last week uh, the sad story about Brandon Saltzman, the Omaha, Nebraska driver uh, who lost his battle with cancer. We we had done a story with him a couple of years ago after he won his very first late model race. It was, um, I guess, about a year after he had a brain tumor removed, uh, which was a very emotional victory. And it was a really great story that our former car colleague, Joshua Joyner, did. So uh, just the... Uh, just a, a sad, a sad story. Uh, just 24 years old, Brandon was, and clearly loved by the racing community and his family and friends. So just, uh, just wanted to mention that and uh, and uh, share our condolences with the family. Yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate events. Our thoughts and uh, prayers are with the family, and just uh, another uh, sad. Tragic thing. And we, of course, the Delmas Conley story. I think that was after we recorded last week as well. He passed away, but he was still winning races, going strong. He was obviously beloved too in the racing world. Uh, I know Mark Richards on Twitter had some nice things to say, and he always had great stories of Delmas, and he's definitely a legend in the sport. So it was heartbreak city, and it's very sad to see that happen. Well, guys, uh, this week's episode is done. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners. It was a great episode as always. We had a lot of Wild West shootout talk and the two car teams and stuff like that. And of course, next week we'll be on Wednesday again, previewing speed weeks, which will be coming up. Me and Todd headed down to Volusia 1.0, I'm picking them up in the Louisville, the Ville. So excited about that. We'll uh, talk about the rest of the Wild West shootout. Tune in, see if Brandon Shepard gets the big time bonus. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Wednesday.